science. You're listening, in case you're confused, to another edition of Love and Science here on BCFM with me, Malcolm Love, and with Andrew Glester. Hello. Pardon? Hello. Hello. (laughs) It's nice to see you. You did a great show last week. Oh, thanks. I was very lonely without you, Malcolm. I I know. I can imagine that. I I I think I said at the start of the show, I didn't know where you were. Where were you? I was in Ireland, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was by that time. I think by that time. Oh no, I was in Amsterdam. Oh, okay. As one I w- is. I won't ask what you. As doing. one is usually on a Monday afternoon. <laughs> yes, but more about that later. Uh, we've all, we're, we're, we're also very delighted to have in the studio Hannah Bestwick. Hi, Hannah. Hi there. It's good to be here. You're you're one of our uh, colleagues because you're involved with the science communication course at UE, which yep. all of us have. I've been a tutor. And, Andrew's uh, Andrew did a little bit of lecturing. Well, yes, seminaring. Uh, yeah, last year as a former student. <laughs> you're a former student, and we'll pull all this together a little bit later. But it's great to have you have you on the show. Um, I'm hoping now I can introduce to you Alice Whale. Hi, Alice. Are you there? Yes, she is. That's great. I'm always pleased when somebody appears on the end of the phone line. It means I've pressed all the right buttons. Um, Alice, if I've got this uh, right, you are uh, one of the editors of TechSpark. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And um, we um, we're quite interested in the in the Sparkies Award, which has come up on a number of the bulletins because it's a a southwest thing. Before we get uh, to those awards, um, tell us what what it is that you do and what uh, TechSpark does. Yeah, so TechSpark is basically a network for anyone involved in technology and digital in the southwest. So what we do is try to bring all of those people together. Uh, to sort of form a community and network so people can know what's going on, know all the best stuff, all the most exciting stuff that's happening in the region and connect them all together so they can collaborate. We run events, we write news and profiles about all of the stuff that's going on on our website, which is uh, techspark.co. And, um, yeah, we, we, that's basically what we do, yeah. Um, um, what is your region? I mean, how, how far does it go out? Um, so we face the southwest. So, but it, it, it tends to be sort of largely Bristol and Bath. Um, so we, yeah, we, we do stretch out a bit further, but yeah, it tends to be it tends to be people in the city of Bristol and Bath that get most involved in in tech spark. And, and, and what kinds? I mean, I know you've given us a kind of a broad outline, but what what kinds of people do get involved with uh, with tech spark who become part of the network? I mean, do you have to be kind yeah. of like a lone entrepreneur or or what? Oh no, no. So we track all sorts. We track we do track the lone entrepreneur. So we like to connect the connect all the people. So we might have at one of our events, we'd have maybe uh, a developer who's looking to help a big tech company. We'll have a big big tech company that's looking for ideas and they'll connect with the entrepreneur and, and all sorts of things. So we attract all sorts of creatives as well because um, obviously it's not, it's, not just, uh, it's not just something for developers and, and the techie-minded people. We, we have lots of people that contribute to kind of create the community. So, so this is something that's quite important to be involved with if you're interested in developing technology here in the South West. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's actually it's actually one of the fastest growing digital tech networks in the UK and the Southwest. So we're really happy to be part of bringing all those people together because there's so much talent here in that re- in that area. Alice, can I just get you to move a little bit closer to your microphone, wherever that is, and on your yep. phone, because uh, I've, I've, um, you, you, you get, you're coming and going a little bit distant. That's oh, okay. I, it might, it might be the phone, it might be us, but we'll, we'll find out. Now, we, we, we started off by saying that we've just had the spark. I think they're known as the Sparkies, which is a great yeah. name for a, a set <laughs> of awards. Um, I think it's about five years. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's our fifth one this year. Yeah. Where, where was that held? So that was held in the Co-Media in Bath, uh, which is a comedy venue in Bath. Uh, we alternate between Bristol and Bath every year. And is it a glitzy affair? Do you, people turn up in their best togs? <laughs> so we try and keep it fun because we, we, we don't, we're not really about being super corporate. Um, so some people turn up in fancy gear, some people turn up in their jeans, and it's just, it's just to sort of celebrate and have a big party and celebrate all the amazing achievements, really, for, from the tech and digital kind of community. It sounds like fun. What 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 were the highlights for you this year? Um, so for me, it was just seeing how big it's become. So it was our biggest Sparkies ever. Uh, we had a record number of nominations, over 220 people nominated a person or a company, um, which was amazing, and they were all such good nominations this year. Um, so I suppose that was the kind of highlight for me, just seeing how how far it's spread and how far the message has, has got really now as you know bcfm comes out of bristol so we're keen to hear did we do reasonably well oh yeah definitely yeah so loads of i mean yeah it was it was bristol and bar companies and and beyond actually but uh, one of the greatest awards i think is the totally killing it award which is for having an amazing impact on the whole of the southwest but um the person that the sort of organization that won that was virtual reality world congress which is held in bristol and um they, so they bring together international um, companies uh, doing amazing stuff with virtual reality. Uh, and they had uh, such an amazing event this year. 2,000 people from around the world came, uh, big exhibitors. It was, yeah, they definitely deserved to win it and uh, a good, a good uh, one for flying the flag for Bristol there. And, and even the universities get involved, don't they? UE and uh, uh, Bristol University and, and, and others. Right. Yeah, yeah. We had a couple of... So we had another award called the Lifetime Achievement Award. We had a couple of uh, people who are lecturers at Bristol University uh, shortlisted for that one. Um, but yeah, we've had, and we had uh, also the Future Spark for under 25s making a big impact. And uh, the winner of that was a student at UWE, uh, Nehar Chowdhury. Um, what, what would you say were the sort of key qualities of, of people who, uh, who win? Awards is, is it that they're bringing something brand new, or is it that they're doing something better than it's been done before? Um, I'd say that there's probably a, a mixture of the two. So we definitely there are definitely winners from the Sparkies and people that are enrolled in the Sparkies that are bringing really exciting new technology. Um, but actually, a lot of it's uh, people who just are part of the community that are, that are really helping to, to grow the community and to help other people, to help people collaborate to support people in achieving their their technology goals so we had you know we had an award for best mentor for example um and that that goes to someone who really really assists other people in in their businesses and their tech tech projects um so yeah it's, it's not not necessarily just uh, producing amazing tech although that is also what we celebrate it's, it's about the people that surround that and support that 
Alice, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, talk to us and tell us all about uh, TechSpark and, uh, and about the Sparkies. And uh, no we wish you the very best. Thank Thanks you very much me. indeed. You're welcome. Bye now. So uh, you're listening to Love and Science here on uh, BCFM 93.2 FM. And uh, you can also get us on the uh, internet, uh, the interweb device, uh, www.bcfmradio.com. And I'm here, of course, with my old broadcasting pal, uh, Andrew Glester. And uh, we've been joined by Hannah Beswick, um, who's... uh, spent a whole year studying science communication i did how are you feeling after all that um i'm all right actually a little bit tired from the entire year of it but i've taken a break for a while a couple of weeks and that's been nice that's the thing that's the trick yeah you take remember to take breaks when 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 you need to well we're really grateful you've come in to join us and uh, we're going to be talking a bit about uh science and uh, science in the news very soon we're going to be talking to sophie pavel who i know is one of your colleagues and has just been walking around the southwest of uh, the southwest coast down in cornwall and uh, we're going to hear all about that later. She came on the show a few weeks ago to tell us what she was going to do. And now, amazingly, it's uh, all over. Uh, we've got a little bit of time, though, for some more science news uh, oh, before that. News. Yes, some space stuff. Oh, space. Space stuff. I so like apparently, apparently somebody is saying um, that they want to send 10,000 people out into space. They do. I mean, I, I can think of a few. Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> that I'd like to send out into yeah. space. But. I'd, 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 when I told you about this story, Malcolm, you said you thought I should go. So I, <laughs> I, I thought that was I a was positive. Being, at I the was time. being encouraging. <laughs> I, I put a smiley face with it. <laughs> so fill, fill us in. What's all oh, this right. about? So um, th- basically, the thinking is it's a thing called uh, Space for Humanity, which well, I, I think that's a pretty good title for anything. Yes. And the idea is that only 536 people have been into space so far, most of them have been men. Uh, from just a handful of nations. Um, obviously, Tim Peake being one yeah. of those men. Um, yeah. And the, the idea is that they want this company, who've set up called uh, Space for Humanity, want to broaden that and send 10,000 people from a variety of different um, nationalities, backgrounds, and, and to, to make space feel more like it's for everybody, to change the mindset of the people who are putting people up into space. Seems like a good idea to it me. It is, and there's plenty of room. Uh, there is plenty of room, yeah. Um, and I, I, the only thing, the only slight downside to this, of course, is that I'm a middle-aged, middle-aged white man from the UK, so I don't think I'm very diverse. So I don't think I'm going to be top of the list, which is slightly disappointing. Ah. So, so uh, they're going for diversity. What, yeah. what about the funding of this? Uh, well, it's been funded by uh, a lot of unnamed um, donors and somebody called uh, Mr. Taylor, Dylan Taylor, Dylan Taylor, who um, is a space industry angel investor. Uh, so uh, that's good. I, I, I don't know who he is, but he's obviously got some money and some other people. I wonder if it's money. an alias for Boris Johnson. Um, well, what? oh, really? <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, no, I Who's, think it's a, it's a good idea. Would you go if you give him a chance? Oh, that's a very good question, isn't it? Mm. Would I, I like asking. In fact, I'm going to push that over to Hannah because I'm always interested in, 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 in whether you're interested in space as a subject or not, you know, whether, whether astronomy is your thing. Uh, if you had got the chance to go into space, would you go? I think I, I think I probably would. I'd be um, quite scared 
there's a lot there's a lot of space and a lot of space to get lost in space but i probably would take the risk if i had that chance in my lifetime yeah i mean you're really totally trusting the people aren't you that yeah. have built them. but then again it's probably no different from an airplane if you think about it or a or an ocean going liner no at least i know that if the um if the airplane goes wrong i'll probably end up on the floor in space <laughs> i might just float off endlessly into the rest of space for all eternity that's a yes. little bit scary but what about say say you could go to mars would oh you, yeah so you would go, yeah go, go to mars go and, uh, and be on another planet yeah it's, it's interesting isn't it uh, well you're not probably in too much risk with this of, go, of getting too lost in space because it's uh, what we're talking about here what, what they actually said was that they are um they're agnostic about which technology to use to get people into space by which they mean they haven't decided and they're open to suggestions as long as it's safe and that's kind of the tricky thing really is because mm. space isn't overly safe i mean we're getting good at it we're getting better at it yeah, better, making progress yeah actually nasa's amazing at it um the R- russian cosmos they're amazing at it with you know but they've made some they've had some troubles over the years but they've learned from them now we've got private space companies which is what this is going to be they're going to be using the private space companies for this because that's how you can pay to mm. send people into space yeah. um and uh you know they're getting better at it i mean what i th- think is amazing so I bring everything back to me for a moment yeah let's that in 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 the span of my my life mm. which to me doesn't seem very long but mm. to other people seems incredibly long yeah. um We've basically done everything in terms of space. It was before, just be, not long before I was born, we put the first man into space. Ah, yeah, it's all happened in your lifetime. And, and, and over the span of my, my lifetime, we've, you know, we've, we, then we landed on the moon. And I remember as a teenager watching mm. uh, with utter amazement people walking on the moon. Yeah. And now we're talking about going to Mars. It's astonishing. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Do you know, yeah. this is, this is terrible. I mean, it's such a short time in human history yeah. Yeah. that we've gone from being earthbound. Yeah. Uh, but quite a lot's happened to you in to... that time, Mark. <laughs> you don't look like you did back when you were born. <laughs> and, you know, a lot has happened to humanity. But, yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's an amazing, uh, some amazing achievements. It does feel a little bit like we slowed down a bit. Yeah, and now we've picked up speed again with private agents. Just to say, just to make a complete fool of myself, I've always thought, yeah, I'll go into space. And then I read this story, and it seemed to become a little bit closer, and I started to get nervous. And I was thinking, yeah. oh, maybe I wouldn't. Yeah, someone might call your bluff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, look, let's. Let, let, we've got a, a, another story uh, here as well that um, uh, d- just staying with staying with the space uh, theme. So now we're we're going beyond our the orbiting of the earth beyond our own solar system to thinking about uh, other star systems in other words planets that are orbiting solar systems around other stars which again incredibly it's only in the last uh, what would you say 10 years that we've mm. been able to uh, um, identif- identify we've always thought they were there now we know they're there and we're actually looking at, at some of these uh, planets um, and the story uh, this story is uh, run by the new scientists this week um it says that uh, exoplanetary systems are like peas in a pod whatever type of star the planets orbit this challenges our ideas about how such systems form and this is this is this is all about um uh making us rethink 
the birth of solar systems, isn't it? Yeah, including f- our own. I absolutely. guess absolutely. It's a funny old thing. Um, it, they've looked to us. A team led by Lauren Weiss at the University of Montreal in Canada have looked. They've looked at 909 planets which have been discovered by the Kepler Space Telescope over 355 systems. And what they found is that the planets all seem to be a similar size and a similar formation and distance from each other, which seems very odd, doesn't it? Mm. Because I, I have to say, when I've been looking at the planet, I haven't looked at 909, I'll be honest, but I've yeah. just looked at the ones that have made it <laughs> into the news. They all seem quite different. But what this, this is suggesting is that they see this pattern time and time again. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it does raise lots of questions because, as we know, planets are formed um, in a... That's a planetary disk, so there's a disk of dust coming from a star. So orbiting around a star where there's clumps, they come together and form planets. Um, it, it doesn't make sense because you would think that a larger star or a smaller star would have an effect on that and make these different distances and, 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 and masses uh, be different. But, it, but it, it's not. They're, they're showing, that, as you say, that whatever the size of the star, whatever the type of star, it's a very similar pattern that's coming up each time, which is peculiar. Mm. What I would say is, it's although it's 909, it's actually quite a small Yes, it is still quite, quite a small sample. And also, they're only looking at the planets in the close, closest in. So if, you're looking, if they were looking at our system, they would only see uh, Mars, Earth, Venus and Mercury. They wouldn't see the other planets. So that, you know, you're not learning about all those other planets in our solar system. That's so. right. And Jupiter, of course, in our planet, mm. which is what, fifth, the fifth planet out? I have to do a quick calculation yeah. there. I think it is. Um, is the biggest one by far. Yes. I'm fa- I like your term for it. You, you said it's really a failed star. Yeah. Hasn't quite, it didn't quite get big enough to get going. Mm. But it's enormous. Yeah. And it's quite a long way from our own sun yeah and it, and this data if you if you compare this to other this data that we're looking at they wouldn't see jupiter so it, it is a small sample yeah. both in terms of stars and in terms of the systems that they're looking at but it is a, a strange quirk and something definitely interesting to look at absolutely are you are you a stargazer hannah uh, not particularly. I used to do a little bit with my dad. He'd get the telescope out and we'd have a look at the rings on Saturn and I quite enjoyed that. But other than that, space does... Um, understanding space evades me a little bit. <laughs> it's got... Well, we're very lucky because we've got Andrew. Anything space... Yeah. He's the man. Yeah. We're always very lucky will to have the, anyway, to be honest. Will the cupboard fit in that space, uh, Andrew? What? That's it. That's the... Yes. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, we uh, had... Uh, Sophie Pavel on the show a few weeks back. I can't remember how many weeks back, but it was uh, about four or five, I think. Yeah. And, and um, uh, Sophie was uh, for charity going to uh, walk uh, around, well, for various reasons, actually, which she's going to explain to us, but partly for charity. Uh, she was walking uh, around uh, the Cornish coast. I think she's done something like 300 miles. I believe that's right. Yeah. So uh, we're going to uh, hear from Sophie in person. 
person uh, soon. But uh, she's been posting up on Facebook on uh, Sophie's Wild Walk. Uh, I th- it's Sophie's, Sophie's Wild Cornwall. Uh, thank you. Sophie's Wild Cornwall. Thanks, Hannah. Um, uh, the, uh, all about uh, her journey. Now, we know she's uh, she was going to do 22 videos. She promises she's going to do 22 videos. But at the moment, uh, the 21 are up there. And she's given us permission uh, to play uh, her 21st uh, update and it'll give you a flavour of what she's been up to. Hello from a sunny day 21. Three weeks exactly I have been walking along this coast park and finally after days of nizzle and drizzle the sun has made a wonderful appearance. About 15 miles of this lovely coastline today to Port Wrinkle. Uh, we are passing through some great places today, coming up to a place called Lou and Lou Island, which is a marine conservation zone, and also the area around it has one of the largest colonies of blackback girls um, in Cornwall and possibly the UK. Lou is a really important nature reserve as well. Looking forward to it. us here is Loo Nature Reserve. Now Loo is also known as St George's Island and it's just about a mile offshore from the village of Loo and the waters around it are a designated marine conservation zone. Owned and managed by the Cornwall Wildlife Trust. The conservation zone extends for about five kilometres along the shoreline here so it's really special for its wildlife and its marine flora and fauna. Cornwall Wildlife Trust and Surface Against Sewage are the two charities I'm raising money for on my trek. I'm so nearly there and if you haven't already donated it would be amazing any penny to just help conserve these beautiful environments that I've been exploring Um, and thank you to all those who have already donated. Really encouraging and it's just such a boost. It's absolutely teeming with life so this all helps support huge biodiversity. Blackback girls are actually bullies in the seabird world. Their feeding behaviour is kleptoparasitic, which means that they basically steal other seabirds' food. Now, I've seen lots of examples of this where they literally swoop in and just grab it and fly off. And they're quite big birds as well, and they kind of muscle their way in. I actually saw it harassing a couple of um, guillemots a minute ago. think about pollinators we all pretty much think about bees straight away but actually butterflies are some of the most impressive pollinators around because not only do some of the butterflies here migrate all the way from North Africa so like the red admiral and the peacock butterfly uh, butterflies can actually transport pollen across larger distances so where bees work a local patch of land very very well and very diligently butterflies can travel much larger distances and can ultimately increase the gene pool of the plants that they're pollinating by spreading the pollen across a larger area. They feed during the day when the flowers open and they collect the pollen on their legs and on their face and then when they feed to the next flower they transport the pollen and so it goes on. The difference between butterflies and bumblebees is where bumblebees cannot see the colour red but butterflies can. The relationship between the flower and the pollinator is one of the most mysterious and interesting of all I think and lots of research has been going into things like chemical cues, um, colour, attraction.
pollinators, bees especially, have, are very vulnerable to urbanisation and pesticides and bees are very vulnerable to certain bee viruses. And of course, without pollinators, we do not have the food that we have on our table every night because pretty much everything we eat, the source comes right back to the hard work of the humble bumblebee and the lovely butterfly. We've just rounded the headland now and you can see Loo Island from the other side but we're still in the marine conservation zone. We're keeping our eyes peeled, we haven't seen anything really yet. It would be a perfect day to see some marine megafauna like basking shark because they love the calm waters and the sunshine when they come up to the surface to feed on plankton. So fingers crossed for something like that. Kind of really struggling with um, tiredness today I think it's just got a bit more weight in my pack because we're camping and I think I'm just so close to finishing my body's like slow down and I'm like no so nearly there yeah big finish tomorrow but still pushing to find as much as I can to communicate flies everywhere. It's round the corner and I see a sprawling city in the distance and it must be Plymouth. I can see Plymouth! Devon! Oh my gosh, it's so weird. Oh, tomorrow's gonna be such a weird but such a good day. just saw something that was really, really spectacular. What we think was a peregrine falcon swooping in to attack the buzzards who I think clearly strayed into the peregrine's territory. So it all happened quite fast. It was quite hard to capture what was going on. But the two buzzards were swooping in, circling really fast, and this peregrine was just darting in and out between them. It was such a spectacular sight. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's so much further than we thought. Oh, fluffy slippers. I want fluffy slippers. So close, so close, so close. Tomorrow's big day, big day. Hi, uh, I think Sophie's on the line with us now. Hi, Sophie, you there? Hi, yes, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we loved your uh, your piece there. It was absolutely brilliant. And did you, I mean, are you now wearing those fluffy slippers? Um, I'm actually in bare feet. I'm enjoying airing them out a bit at the moment, but I was in fluffy slippers last night, and it was quite a spectacular feeling. <laughs> now, now, I... I you sent me a message earlier on today we were trying to, to make sure that we could link up with you and you said did you say that you'd gone to the gym no no i i had a um a physio appointment this afternoon. Ah, so i completely <laughs> misunderstood that because i thought she must be completely mad if she's done that but uh, obviously not look um oh, enough of this witter big congratulations to Thank you how you. fantastic well from all of us here we've got um we've got hannah beswick with us in the studio oh, hi, hi hannah 
and of good uh, thank you and of course andrew is 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 here and uh, yeah so a big congratulation thank congratulations you. from us you did it um I, I was telling people it's 300 miles that's right yes 300 yeah and um just remind us why you did it what's wrong with you Sophie? <laughs> <laughs> no what wh- why why did you put yourself through this um i guess i was i i've always been interested in um being outside and active and I've always loved the relationship of um, being outdoors and then how it fosters a sort of natural curiosity with the natural world Um, and through the science communication course at UWE I've become really intrigued with social media and how it has such potential to communicate messages to an infinitely large audience and I guess I was trying to see how I could marry the two together and it was very much very experimental the first few days I had no idea what I was doing and sort of how it was working and then it sort of slowly evolved and I got stuck into a routine and um yeah I mean I loved it but I I never would have guessed that I would have had the reaction that I've had well tell us a little bit about that reaction um well I mean quite quickly I sort of started getting messages and comments and people sharing it people that i didn't know um so it wasn't just friends and family being sort of supportive (laughs) of what i was doing um and towards you know middle and the end of it i was getting messages from people all over the world like uh, i had a message from a lady in moscow um a couple of family in australia were apparently watching my videos every day and in scotland and the usa um and people seem to be really I think I, d- I don't know whether it was just because it was celebrating kind of British wildlife, um, but pe- you know people were saying, "Oh, I've lived in Cornwall for 20 years and I had no idea about the copper staining on the granite cliffs on the north coast." Or, you know, you've opened my eyes to different wildlife as opposed to just like marine mammals and things. So, I doubt you know all I thought I was doing was just rambling along the cliff <laughs> nattering away with my phone and it was Ram- all done on my phone rambling and, it- and rambling yeah <laughs> but but clearly not i mean you've mm-hmm. done you've done a great uh, a, a great job and uh, just listening just now we were we were listening to your 21st uh, vi- the audio from your oh, 21st video <laughs> absolutely lovely and very very informative i like by the way what they call kleptoparasitic kleptoparasitic uh, black bat girls yeah yeah you watch out for them for yeah sure. i know great big bullies <laughs> and um you you did this also for charity yes so um throughout the time i was walking i was raising money for cornwall wildlife trust and surface against sewage and donations are still very much open just giving page uh on my facebook page and if you just type in sophie's wild cornwall just giving it will pop up on google um, were, were, were there any moments when you thought, oh, I don't think I can do this anymore? Um, a huge challenge was the heat wave. Um, yeah. That was a completely freak, unexpected yeah. uh, sort of extreme. I've never walked, I've walked in, I've hiked in Canada and California and stuff, and I've never experienced heat like that. I think just because the coast is so exposed, there was no breeze at that point, no shade, very little places to fill up on water. So there were points where you know my feet were swelling up totally uncontrollably in my boots because they were so hot and there was a couple of points where i thought i can't take another day of heat like this and continue and try and be energetic and edit a film and do it all on my own 
Uh, but I got through it, and the heat went, and the cooler weather was much more welcome. <laughs> yes, ab- absolutely. Well, well, well done for that. We're very glad that you managed to to stay the course. Were Were there um, any moments when it was scary? I mean, because because I. I uh, you were on your own for yeah. a lot for a lot of the time. No friends came and walked with you and stayed with you and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, but quite often you were on your own. I mean, do, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that I would have thought, what on earth is that walking around outside from time um, to time? <laughs> um, I think um, I actually quite relished the opportunity of sort of walking on my own and kind of there's something about being sort of alone. I think it's quite important to experience. Um, at, you know, sort of once in your life. But there were points, especially when it was wet and the rocks were wet and you're climbing over wet, slippery styles and the visibility was really bad and there were days where I didn't see a soul on the path and I thought, if I fell and hit my head, yeah. no one's going to know. Yes. Uh, so that you, I tried not to think about that, but it's just about being careful and uh, being really sensible and kind of not, you know, when I was walking along filming, I had to think, right, I need to figure out Yes. A safe spot to wander, so I don't just wander aimlessly off the cliff because there's no fencing. No, so you, it's literally just one foot in front of the other. But you have to be really savvy yes. about where you're walking. I mean, camera operators have cable bashers, don't they, to make yeah. sure they don't uh, fall down holes and walk into traffic. And you didn't have anything. So, no, yeah. no, and you're very top heavy when you're. So my rucksack was about twelve kilograms, I think. Yeah. And when you're kind of going uphill or looking over a cliff to try and spot, I don't know some kitty wakes or something you do have to watch out that your backpack doesn't just come over and topple you off but <laughs> I'm sorry Sophie we would have known you know if you'd fallen over because we were all watching on social media so <laughs> we'd have noticed that the video wouldn't come up and then we'd have gone oh where is she and then we'd have tracked you back and found you we might have noticed a spectacular video, you know. Yeah. Oh, action <laughs> yes. shot, yeah. Yes, an action shot, yes, professional to the to the very last. Um, I was going to ask you uh, about your um, I, I hope I'm sure there are quite a few of these, but if you were to pick something, now you're recounting what you did to other people. What what's coming up as the as the uh, the thing that you remember for this for this walk? Oh gosh, um, you're you're allowed more than one, of course. So one but, of uh, one of my favourite moments was on the stretch between Port Isaac and Padstow, and the heatwave hadn't quite arrived yet, but it was sunny, it was windy, and I think I just. Round, I, I went off the path. You could, there's lots of optional routes to go and explore a headland or something. So I went to this headland, and it was just the most incredibly wild, rugged thing. There was so much going on. I'd never seen gannets before, and I saw my first gannet, just this huge, it's the largest seabird in Europe, just swooping down, like owning the cliffs. And then there were seals and razorbills and um black bat girls it was just there was so much happening and the sea was just turquoise but just like really angry up against the cliff and that was just like oh i like it yeah sounds Um, (laughs) absolutely wonderful but it's just i think it's just walking through so many beautiful places and seeing so much diversity and then just remembering that this is all in the uk and it's cornwall is so beautiful but i think a lot of people just sort of I don't know, forget about it in a way. And I just wanted to kind of celebrate the fact that you can stay in the UK and still have incredible encounters with wildlife and kind of very adrenaline-pumping environment and terrain without having to go further afield. 
Well, it's a lovely thing that uh, you've uh, done bringing that to uh, the rest of us, Sophie. So th thank you very much for all your uh, hard walking oh, and, hard and hard reporting. And um, just before you go, what's next for you? Um, so now comes the sifting through all of what I've been doing. So it's, uh, it's been quite hard to process what I've done um, and all the kind of engagement on social media. So I need to start looking through that. I've got an online survey to pop out because it's all part of my dissertation. So it's just compiling all the elements of that to try and write 12,000 words about it, I think. Okay. But well, do us a favour, uh, Sophie. Stay in touch with us, won't you? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. Do. All right. And for now, thank you very, very much. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you're, you. You're very welcome. You're listening to Love and Science on BCFM Radio. We've got a little bit more science news that we want to uh, squeeze in. And um, there's a, a lovely story. Again, this was picked up um, by the New Scientist. It's one of Aileen Woodward's stories in the, in the New Scientist. Uh, the title is Birds Play Sick Jungle Beat. <laughs> I mean sick in the, in the modern parlance. Yes. Body. Yeah. Um, not not really sick. Um, birds play sick jungle beat with drumsticks they make themselves, and this is we're, we're used to the idea of uh, we've become used to the idea that some animals make tools. I mean, crows and chips other corvids and, and chips. They chips <laughs> chips. <laughs> they, they 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 make tools, don't they? But this is an example of. Um, um, a palm cockatoo, it's called, male palm cockatoos, uh, using their drumming skills to impress lady cockatoos. Um, Hannah, did you have you seen this story? I've I've just just read it through it now, and like I said, I haven't got my glasses, so I'm oh. worried a little <laughs> so bit. So it's about all looking a little bit yeah. blurry to you. I think I, I think I get the idea. It, it looks like it's quite a rare occurrence. So they had to. It took typically a hundred hours of filming uh, to capture a single drumming event. Yeah, uh, which is quite a lot of hard but, work there. I mean, amazing that they do this. I mean, amazing to us anyway. That that uh, I, they 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 take sticks presumably break them off of trees or they find them or whatever and then i mean are we talking about rhythmic drumming here i think we are aren't we regular beat yeah i think i think the thing that made it made it outstanding was that the uh, the cockatoos managed to maintain a rhythm so they beat the uh, the a tree like a hollow bit of tree um with a drumstick in their foot and then also make rhythmic calls at the same time um, the females don't seem to respond to the beat itself but they do judge the men on how good their beat is <laughs> so nothing, no, no changes. There. Just to say, in fairness to the to the cockatoos, yeah. you know, you could you could watch me for more than a hundred hours, and I wouldn't do any sort of drumming. <laughs> Uh, according to the story, palm cockatoos are the only species other than us known to make a musical tool or instrument, perform with that instrument, and repeat musical patterns throughout the performance. This is according to Robert Heinsen at the Australian National University in Canberra, uh, and they observed the bird six, 60 cockatoos over uh, a seven-year period. And as Hannah says, it typically took a hundred hours of trying to capture a single drumming event. So these are quite rare, quite rare events. Um, but uh, but they did it. Uh, and there's a marvellous um, little piece of video of a of a, a cockatoo. I think mm. it is dancing on um, 
uh, the, on YouTube to uh, another one bites the dust. <laughs> 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 so obviously they, 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 these are animals that can get rhythm. Uh, there is a, 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 another story uh, which I'm trying to uh, look for, and uh, it has escaped me. Well, that's going to be radio powered by our own. Ah, yes, thank you. That's the one that we were going to look for. Thanks for that. Radio powered by your own sweat. We've got a couple of minutes just to say something about that. Hannah, I'm going to come to you again because I think you had a look at this one, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I had a quick read over it. So they've been trying to make um, sort of batteries that you could wear on your skin and they've managed to make a kind of breakthrough by changing the kind of enzymes they put in this uh, patch that you can just put on your skin. I think they said it was just a couple of centimetres by a couple of centimetres wide. They've managed to power a radio for two days with a wearable battery patch um, and sort of it's got potential for things like mon uh, monitoring blood sugar levels and people with diabetes and things like that to power small oh, wow. compatible computers and things like that, which would be really useful. Kind of wearable, yes, wear, wearable... Um, it does have the potential for that, but it also has the potential for people to just run a bit, get a bit sweaty and listen <laughs> to all BCFM radio for two days. Exactly. Yeah, they could. They, that you're absolutely right. People, people could do that. That if they would be so the design. ideal use. I think we should get into that straight away. Oh, yeah. Start investing. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I, it says here in the story. It's uh, again. I think this is a new, another new scientist story. We obviously went big on on new scientist stories uh, this time. Um, it says that uh, the patch is a flexible square just a couple of uh, centimetres across that sticks to the skin uh, and it contains enzymes that replace the precious metals normally used in batteries and feed off sweat to provide power. While we're at it, of course, the great holy grail uh, of uh, energy physics is, uh, of course, batteries, is being able to uh, uh, keep electricity yeah. isn't it that's the that's the thing it is well look everybody that's it uh we've uh, we've had our time uh, and it's been great to have uh, hannah beswick with us we hope you come back and join yeah, it's us been uh, great being here. again and uh so it's from uh, andrew uh, glester and me uh, goodbye for this week don't forget uh, to stay tuned after the news for getting uh, bristol home have yourselves a very good evening and uh, join us again next week.